1: And John McMullen.
0: And here we go, here we go.
1: Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365.
2: a good first Monday after a game day here on Birds 365. We got a bunch more for you this year, hopefully all the way into uh, January, but we will see after yesterday's Eagles opening day victory over the Patriots. Johnny Mac, the Eagles won. That ends the portion of this show where we say feel good about the Philadelphia. (laughs) They did win the game 25 to 20, but At times, it was a very tough game to watch from an Eagle perspective. What happened in New England yesterday?
3: I I think it's early season football. I think it happened all over. You look at the 1 o'clock games, they were all basically, I think, seven out of eight or whatever were under 40 points. So a lot of ball pens is struggling early, uh, especially the teams who don't play their quarterbacks in the preseason, um, struggled early. Eagles among them to the point where Nick Sirianni mentioned he might have to rethink his uh, preseason plan next year. Long way to go. We'll see how that shakes out. But yeah, not surprising at all. I mean, I said it would be tougher than people expected, uh, but the Eagles would would ultimately out-talent the Patriots. And I think that's what happened, exactly what happened. Um, and, and And, you know, the offense played poorly. Um, and I don't think that's going to continue, uh, very long. Uh, starting on Thursday night. As a matter of fact, I think they're going to get things going. Um, but we shall see. Also, I think, you know, I was talking to uh, a former executive. I always text with talking to him about the game and he said, that's the best defensive game plan they're going to see all season. And I, I mentioned this and maybe week two will be the second best. Um, and then it's, it'll start to ease up a little bit, but um, yeah, I mean the Patriots have a top ten defense, and that they will have, they will be there. And and you know the Eagles struggled at times, but they were able to get some things going. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts. I think people are going to look at the numbers and say, "Oof," uh, but, <laughs> guys, relentless man. He makes big plays in big spots back-breaking off-schedule stuff. And you you can hold them down, hold them down, hold them down, and all of a sudden there's a play, and you lose the football game. I saw it a couple times last year, most notably Indianapolis. The Eagles were awful in that game, awful. And he made a couple plays, and they won the game. Um, I think that's similar to what happens when they play poorly, but no question they played poorly. But that's a good sign. When you play poorly and you win in the NFL – that says you're a good team
2: that I will agree with you with the end of the day, you end up with a W on a day where, you know, you did not play up to your capabilities and you have more talent than what you put on the field or what you put on the scoreboard. And it's still enough to win a football game. That's a major plus for the Eagles. Um, Yeah. Jalen had a bad day, plain and simple. Now does that, Oh my God, why did they give him the 50 million? No, of course not. It's one day. It's the first game of the year. I'm not going to take a a 30,000 foot look at this and go, uh Oh, Do we over evaluate? No, he had a bad day, but that's what it was a bad day. He he talked about, it makes one or two big plays. Uh, One. uh, I don't even know which one you would search. I don't know that I'd call any of them big plays yesterday. You know, made a big play. Slay made a big play. You know who else made a big play? Uh, Jake Elliott made a big play. A couple of guys. Jake Elliott
3: had it. Jake Elliott's the MVP of the game. Followed by Jalen Carter, but, uh, um, uh, Jalen Carter is going to be a problem. And and when I say big play, I mean, you know, I don't necessarily mean, I, maybe I should have phrased it differently. You know, the off schedule stuff, you think you got them on the ropes and they back break with a first down might be a seven yard run. Might be, might be something as simple as that. You know, when the Patriots are closing in, you have the one drive and they go right down the field and they answer. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. It's just he's relentless. That's the term. Even when he's not, you know, I was compared to a pitcher who doesn't have his best stuff, and they find a way to grind through it. Old-school pitchers that actually, you know, had to pitch uh, deep into the game. And they would find a way to grind it out, even though they didn't have their best stuff. That's that's how I kind of look at Jalen Hurts. That's probably, you know, yeah, you're right, 70-yard pick six is a big play. There's no big splash plays, but the term I was searching for is relent. He's relentless. So even if you think uh, you, you, you've got everything handled, you know, you don't. And that's, right. that's a big part of it.
2: But the stat that I saw yesterday, which you could knock me over with a feather, five straight possessions without a first down in the first half. Yeah. They couldn't get a first down. going back to when Jalen took over for Carson Wentz, when he decided he didn't want to be an Eagle anymore. When (laughs) Dougie P was still a coach, Jalen never had a five consecutive possession without a first down stretch that I just was floored by. I said, God, this offense is bad. And it immediately brought up the question in my mind, something you and I've been discussing all offseason. Brian Johnson is the offensive coordinator. Now, I don't know if this guy's going to be the greatest offensive coordinator of all time or a guy we're going to be calling for his head in five weeks, but I knew replacing Shane Steichen was not going to be easy because Shane Steichen, you and I agree, really good play caller. There's kind of an art to it. There's a science to it. It's a combination of a bunch of things. It's feel. It's using of analytic. It's it's conviction of what you believe. He was really good at it. And Brian Johnson's got a tough task to follow coming in his uh, wake of leaving here after getting a team to a Super Bowl. I was not floored by Brian Johnson's play calling week number one. Now it is only week number one. I want to keep it in its proper perspective. This isn't me burying Brian Johnson. This is me shrugging my shoulders a little bit and saying, "Okay, uh, week one, not great. Where do we go from here? I thought the Eagle play calling was unimaginative and boring and non-effective. Can I come up uh, with any other adjectives that describe, uh, did not floor me yesterday? I probably could. What did you think of the Eagle play calling yesterday?
3: Uh, you know, being play calling. I mean, yeah, when you get 251 yards and you have nine pro bowl level players on offense, um, you know, that's gonna, that doesn't look good. So, um, yeah, they didn't play well, but, you know, I think, and as you point out, I'm a big Shane Steichen guy. I think he's a great play caller, and I didn't expect Brian Johnson to be that, certainly not day one, game one. Um, maybe he'll get there. Maybe he won't. Ultimately, I think this is going to be a really good offense, um, and I think part of it is the lack of work, Um I don't think it should be that big of a surprise to people, um, you know, but winning cures all ills. I mean, the Eagles make a couple plays on defense. You know, we, we mentioned Slay, the Jordan Davis big play with a forced fumble and, you know, that kind of, and, and we say, well, the defense picked up the offense. So a couple columns is saying that, and they certainly, you know, any anytime you score points on defense, kind of a big deal um but they also gave up 382 yards and if mac jones was a little bit more competent (laughs) i mean you know he was not the most accurate uh uh, quarterback in the world and even down to the fourth down play you know if 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 that's Devontae smith that's a first down and all of a sudden you know that's pretty easy toe tap for good receiver in this league and that's a young receiver on the rookie right a lot of talent um but you know that's a that's that's pretty easy for an, a big time nfl receiver the toe tap that um and demonte as i said does it all the time aj's great at it too um you know all of a sudden you got first and goal at whatever the nine eight yard line and you're New England could steal that game. Now, part of that was the head coach as well, going for it on fourth and two. Probably shouldn't have done that. Um, so a lot of things factor into it. But yeah, I mean, the defense wasn't great either. They just made a couple big plays, and that's how it kind of works. Uh, and and it gets kind of lost in the sauce. But yeah, they have to play better on offense. I was far more disappointed with the offense than the defense because the offense should be great. Should be great. Not again, nine Pro Bowl level players. They can't get the ball to Dallas Goddard. But guess what? Week one, remember what we were talking about? Week one? Devontae Smith didn't have one catch in Detroit right. last year. This year, Dallas Goddard doesn't have one catch uh against New England. They they need some time. When you when you don't work in the in the summer you might get the week one healthy and the eagles did um but there's going to be some struggles and they struggled and i
2: thought of uh you and i discussing all off season uh about jonathan gannon and his ouster here from philadelphia and everyone and i should say everyone, most eagle fans uh, are ready to throw a parade because jonathan gannon's no longer here and um, much like with Brian Johnson, you give Sean Desai plenty of time to prove it. He should have scored points with Eagle fans yesterday because they actually blitzed. They brought a couple blitzes yesterday. I One play, I thought they brought six guys. And I'm going, the Eagle fans are going to love this. Guess what? They didn't get home. When they got their sacks, both of them late in the game, it was just the middle of the defense, the Georgia Bulldog young studs, outmanning their man and getting to the quarterback but other than that mac jones got rid of the football even though the eagles were bringing extra guys i'm saying eagle the old school eagle nation who loves the aggressive blitzing defense gotta love this oh except it didn't work mac jones seemed like the only big plays he was making was against the blitz when the eagles were in solo coverage on the back end uh, yeah, both the two coordinators, which we harped on all off season, it's not easy to replace two op- two coordinators in one off season, and that's the task that the Eagles were going to do. I don't know that either one of them shined day one, either no, Brian Johnson I, or John.
3: On the on the uh, Jacob Sports uh, post game show, I think I gave uh, the defense a, a B minus in the the offense is C minus. So I do give the defense a little bit more credit. Uh, And, and by the way, I'm grading on the curve. I expect more out of the offense than the defense. Um, So for a couple of reasons, but I certainly think they were uh, better. They made some plays. Yeah. I'm not, I, I don't care about the blitz positive or negative. If you, if you blitz when you should blitz good for you, if you blitz when you shouldn't bad for you, I'm not obsessed with those particular numbers. When Jalen Carter's beating people uh, one-on-one and forcing the football out early, you probably don't need the blitz. Um, But, you know, the game plan specifically, Jody, they're going to see that all year. Um, Quarterbacks getting the football out quickly because of what they accomplished last year. That's going to be one of the changes you see. Now, they'll be young quarterbacks, even this week, Kirk Cousins susceptible. He, he'll he hang on to the ball because he likes to get the ball down the field. He's a tough guy, um, and he needs to be behind that offensive line. I fear for his life this week because <laughs> Jalen Carter is going to, uh, yeah, it's not going to be good for him. But, uh, they're, they're, um, you know, the quarterbacks who, you know, understand they got to get the football out, and Mac Jones was clearly one of them. That's going to limit the pass rush. But as long as you hurry them and and speed them up, and the Eagles were able to do that at times, just not consistently.
2: Yeah, but uh, again, like you say, Kurt uh, Cousins is what he is. And we know he's not good in prime time in a short week. I think a couple things played to the Eagles' favor before they ever take the field on Thursday night. Mac Jones is, is not a tough-flight quarterback. No, he was no. effective against that Eagle defense yesterday, which should scare some people. And part of it was, yeah, they didn't get home. And yeah, they don't
3: have great receivers either.
2: Right. They made Kendrick Bourne look pretty damn good. And a non-factor yesterday, and uh, I have to go back and watch the game. I taped it, but I haven't uh, had a chance to go back and review it yet. Hassan Reddick a pretty big non-factor yesterday. Now, how much of that is because... He's got the club on his hand, and he just wasn't able to use his hands in the pass rush. Uh, At times, I was forgetting that he was even part of the Eagle defense yesterday. Um, Like I said, the best push that they got as far as getting in the quarterback's face and or getting him to the ground came up the middle. The defensive tackles, the two Georgia guys early, Fletcher Cox late. They didn't really get much of anything on the edge yesterday, Jay Mack.
3: Yeah, they gave let's see, they gave Reddick one pressure. Uh, Sweat had a half a sack. He shared with Jordan Davis. Je- Sweat almost made a big play, though. He almost had that interception that would have went uh that would went for another pick six. Could you imagine if that would have happened two pick sixes? But uh yeah, you're you're right that the edge wasn't there, but I, I the edge rush wasn't there, but and I, I do think that um you know, the thumb might be a problem for Reddick playing through that. Um, he's certainly not going to be as effective as he normally is. But I think it more had to do with when New England had a good game plan and they were intent on getting the football out quickly. And they got the football out quickly. So, again, I I, I always go back to Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. You knew – going into games against those guys, you weren't getting a lot of sacks because the football was coming out on time. So if, if the team wants to do that, they're going to limit the pass rush um, a little bit. And the goal has got to turn as I said to those pressures. And you and I had this discussion many times. I can't emphasize enough. Jalen Carter is going to be a freaking problem. I can't emphasize enough, and I said it and I tweeted it this morning. I cannot believe the NFL let that guy fall to the Philadelphia Eagles. I cannot believe it. Um, and I picked on Chicago and I'll pick on him again. One of the dumbest organizations in the NFL. I cannot believe it's not just them, but them most notably, because they had two shots in them. Um this is not this is the best player in the draft. This is the best natural interior pass rusher since Aaron Donald, and I don't say that lightly. Um he's ridiculous to try to block one-on-one and yeah, man. I mean, this league shoots themselves in the foot a lot certain no, teams. And I'm I'm not here to come to the
2: defense of any other team, but uh quarterback needs oftentimes outweigh that not saying they should but they do and yeah a couple teams made a mistake and he had a couple of red flags on him to the eagles credit they were able to do their research and say we think this is a That it might not wear we hey those
3: it. red flags the red flags are always there they might crop up I don't, I don't know how mature he's gonna be and if he gets in trouble he gets in trouble but man you know when you got a talent like that, I'm taking the gamble. I'm taking the gamble. I, I, I mean, it just doesn't come around often, Jody. It, it's not like this player comes around every year. He really is different, and and people are going to see that. They they saw it pretty quickly, um, and he played a lot. He played 40 snaps, um, and six pressures on 40 snaps. Uh, I think they might have undersold him, by the way. That was that. That was their pass
2: rush. It was all defensive tackle generated. They got nothing outside. One of which, let me ask you a question. And again, we 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 get into the the, the nitty and the gritty and deep into the weeds. Derek Barnett twice as many snaps as Nolan Smith. Really? Yeah.
3: Really? Well, their intent. I mean, look, Nolan's. You know. Uh, Nolan's a rookie,
2: but it didn't keep them from putting uh, the, the number one pick in the draft that John McMullen described out there. Yeah, for but again, there's different. There's Which a, is that they do or don't play the rookies. You can't well, use uh, and, and, and that's, that's why you're not going to put them out there in defense when you're going to put your other rookie defensive lineman out as many snaps as you do.
3: And that's what I'm talking about. Nolan Smith is a very talented player, and there's a huge gap. That's exactly what I'm talking about. There is a huge. I don't think people understand. There is a huge gap between the talent of Jalen Carter and the talent of Nolan Smith. Jalen Carter was should have been the number one pick in the draft if you were just taking the best football player. Um, he, he, even any first-round pick, the quarterbacks, some of them played well, some of them play well. He's better. He's better. I hate the term, and Jack McCaffrey will tell you, I hate the term once-in-a-generation, generational talent. I hate that term because people use it every year at every position. Once-in-a-generation means once-in-a-generation. Not quite that because it's in the same generation as Aaron Donald. But he's close. He's darn close. And nobody else in this draft is close. And Nolan Smith's got a chance to be a really good player. But he's not Jalen Carter.
2: All right, so, uh, again, I'll try and rephrase the question. Why did Derek Barnett play more snaps than Nolan Smith?
3: Well, remember, Nolan, well, A, the Eagles like Derek Barnett more than you do. I say this all the time. You know, you don't have to believe me, but they like him as a player. They might be wrong. They've said pretty consistently he's going to have a role. They were telling the truth. Um, So that's number one. They like the player better than, and not only you, but most of the fan base. So that's number one. Number two, Nolan Smith missed a lot of time in, in in training camp in the preseason with that shoulder injury. Uh so maybe he got put back a little bit from that. But we'll ask B- BLG. I see he's here. We got to get to our first break so we can we can get his thoughts on Derek Barnett versus Nolan Smith. We will do just that. Brandon Lee Gout Bleeding Green Nation, one of our favorite guests is gonna jump
2: aboard. Uh Eagles win. Stop. Take a breath, deep breath at that Eagles win. The Eagles didn't play well, but the Eagles found a way to win yesterday. We'll discuss all that with Brandon Lee Gatton of Bleeding Green Nation next here on Birds 365. Yeah. <laughs>
5: E A G L E S Eagles.
2: Appreciate you jumping in on the Monday after the first Eagle game of the season—a win. A hard fought, down to the wire, biting the fingernails uh, all the way down type of win. But a win is a win is a win, and we are a winner because we've got Brandon Lee Gotten from Bleeding Green Nation agreeing to jump in with us today. Um, I read your article after the Eagles game yesterday on Bleeding Green. Miserable, the word you chose to describe Brian Johnson's first day as a play caller. Wasn't I, that
3: Rube? That was Rube. Yeah, I think that, that was, was Brian, quoting Rube. Are yeah. oh, you
2: yeah. qu- quoting Rube yeah. on that one? I'm yeah. sorry, yeah. uh, BLT. Um, I don't
7: disagree with them though. I mean,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I just, concur. Can we all raise our hands and say, yeah, miserable would be one way to describe yeah. it. Is this going to be an ongoing issue or we just got to cut the the guy slack? It's his first day at anything. Anybody's got to go through growing pains or whatever they do. Uh, Did they get out of the miserable zone quickly enough?
7: I mean, you can put all the disclaimers in there that you're going up against a Bill Belichick defense. It's a rainy day. It's Brian Johnson's first game in the NFL as a play caller. All those things can be acknowledged. I think that's fair to say those things. At the same time, when you have Jalen Hurts and the starting offensive line play the entire game, and you have A.J. Brown and you have Devontae Smith and you have Dallas Goddard. And you only manage.
3: Did they have Dallas Goddard PLT? Well, apparently not.
7: Yeah. <laughs> you only throw to him one time. Yeah. Uh, but when you have all those things, at least in theory, in place on the field, and you only manage one touchdown that was aided in part by a short field from a, a turnover, uh, that's just not good enough. That's a massive failure.
3: Yeah, I agree. It was definitely a failure. I, I, you know, from, from the standpoint of the expectations, because as you mentioned, we're talking about an offense with nine pro bowl level players on it to, uh, to be, you know, maybe eight because you lost miles. Miles made the pro bowl, but um, a lot of, a lot of talent is what I'm trying to say, but I do think, and, and, you know, an executive told me, you know, they're probably the best game plan they're going to see all year is week one. And maybe week two is the second best with Brian Flores. Um, And AJ, I think, was the one who said, you know, Belichick threw a lot of curveballs at him. um, And I, you know, I mean, sometimes you got to tip your cap to the other team. And to me, to persevere, like I give them more credit for persevering. There are little spots, I was telling Jody, I, you know, misdescribed that same big plays, but I I described Jalen Hurts as relentless. You know, you got him, you got him, you got him. Then he sneaks out for a first down, or he has the little drive where he's completing AJ or Devontae, and all of a sudden you look up and you lost the game, even though the Eagles played poorly. I think there's something to that. It happened in Indianapolis last year. They were awful, and then all of a sudden, Indi- uh, Jalen makes a couple plays, they win the game. I think that's a positive sign because you know they're gonna be good. It's just a matter of when they get there.
7: Ultimately positive. I mean they win the game. <laughs> I feel like it's easy to forget that based on the reaction. Um, and look, I Jody knows this. He asked me for my score prediction yesterday. I said they were gonna win 27 to 20, and they won 25 yeah, to 20. Pretty close. So from an expectation standpoint, you know, it wasn't that different, obviously. How they got there, I can't say I expected it to be exactly like that. Uh, At the end of the day, though, uh, I think, like a lot of things in life, it's how you respond. I think it's how they move forward after this and see what they can do and and learn from what they saw. Um, They were fortunate to um, be in a spot where every team has to work on something after week one, and especially the Eagles after that performance. But you'd rather do that at 1-0 and than 0-1. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We had uh, a bunch of questions coming in about the Eagles before the game started changes that had to be made because guys left and they had to replace them. And the fact that they don't always let us know what's going to happen via their work in the preseason. So you just have to guesstimate going into week one. None of us knew for sure how the backs were going to be deployed. John continued to tell me at practice, Kenny Gainwell got the majority of the work, but it was always in some specialized situation, goal line, back against the wall in their own deep of the end zone, didn't know what they were going to do 20 to 20. Kenny Gainwell was it. They basically the running game and uh very little use for cer- certainly none for Rashad Petty. We'll get into that in a second or Boston Scott or DeAndre Swift. You see this coming that it was going to be plug in Kenny Gainwell into the Miles Sanders role and roll from there. Or were you surprised like me, BLG?
7: I think the extent To the role he had. I mean, you're talking about he logged 38% of their total touches offensively, 28% of their snaps, and 81.8% of their running back touches. I mean, that's me. That's The first
3: drive was all Kenny Gainwell, by the way, which was the best drive, I think, of the day also. Uh, I, I think he had eight touches on that first drive, which ended with a Jake Elliott field goal. So, But, you know. I, I think Kenny did a a a good job overall, but I, I do think it's funny after all the running back by committee nonsense talk, it, 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 Nick wants a lead back. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to end up Kenny for the whole year, but he wants a lead back. He doesn't want, oh, I got to piecemeal this, I got to piecemeal that. I think that's what we learned. Do you think that's clear?
7: I mean, based on how they use Gainwell, yeah, but I just don't think... I don't think he's that guy. I don't think he's ever been that guy or his profile. Even like you look at his size, he's not a workhorse kind. Oh, of I agree deck. with that. So I, I just, that. it feels like they're forcing it a little bit there. Uh, I, I think they have to adjust. I think that's one of the adjustments they're going to have to make. It's not just schematic or play calling sequencing or whatever. It's some of the it is personnel based. And I just don't think, look, I think um, I don't think Swift is a perfect player, but <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I have
3: to ask about Swift since we went down this <laughs> role there seems to be every year, there seems to be a couple players, and I think DeAndre's is one of them. Where people hang, and it's like, what not that you know, what has DeAndre Swift done mm. that make people think he's a better player than Kenny Gainwell? If the Eagles are saying the opposite with their actions. I mean, he he does have the track record
7: in terms of, I think he is like the fifth most receiving yards of any running back since he entered the league. You know, there's that track record of production being one of the league's better pass catchers and
3: certainly runner. Yeah, as
7: a runner, that's definitely fair. And I don't think he should be, you know, we're not talking about 20 carries, a game kind of guy by any means, but. I mean, I don't even think he got his first one until what later in the game. I just, I think yeah. that's a little that's a little confusing, especially you know I only know I know it's only one run, but that run we saw in the preseason in terms of a guy who can kind of make something happen beyond the blocking. And if your offense is struggling and it's going through four straight <laughs> three and outs, well maybe you want to take a look at him.
2: But I'd ask you, John, what has Kenny Gainwell done as a runner that you would say? Oh yeah, we want to hand the ball to him fifteen times a game in his career.
3: Well, uh, it, it's not he's he's a younger player. DeAndre's played four years and basically, you know, was drafted to be the lead back in Detroit and never really took the job. Whereas this is Kenny's first opportunity. So I I am going to lean on the coaching staff and they if they say, well, this is a better player. Um, I got to take them at their word. Now, if they make a mistake, they make a mistake. And long-term, we'll be able to see that. But I think there's a large enough sample size that when you get picked to be the guy and you never turn into the guy, like I look at it opposite. BLG's got the half bull look, which is fine. You know, he's a great great pass catcher. Um, I think that's true. But the fact that he never sees that role, I think tells you a lot on a you know, what was typically not a great team. So it's not like they had a lot of other things to hang their hat on and they wanted him to be the guy and he never turned into a guy. That's a little bit of a red flag for me. Is all I'm saying. Uh,
2: and and I see what you're saying, but again, this is his fourth year's Kenny Gainwell's third year. So they're, they've, if you want to hold that one extra year against DeAndre Swift against him, you can. Oh, it's more
3: about opportunity. Numbers. DeAndre's had the opportunity. This is Kenny's first opportunity. The Eagles had Miles Sanders. Look, he didn't have an opportunity. He was a role player. Now they moved on, and they're saying, all right, this is our best back. Let's roll, and we'll see if they're right. I think they're right. I think he's their best back. Um, and I think he played pretty well. I'm not – on the on, And there were a lot of problems with the offense. I got to go way down the list before I get to Kenny Gainwell. I thought he played pretty well. I'm going to be interested to see the PFF ranking. I that he was great, but I thought he played solidly. Would you, how would you describe it, PLG?
7: Yeah, I don't think he was terrible or anything. You know, he had, what, 11 – sorry, 14 carries, 54 yards, 3.9 average. Obviously, you want to be above four typically – Um, but, and as long as a 16, so it's not like he had nothing in terms of big play potential, but, uh, not a game breaking kind of back. And also I think it's still too big of a role. I'm not saying you have to. No. And by the way,
3: I've said from, I I've said from the jump, I think a lot of people have overrated this running back room. I think if this running back room was in a city with a bad quarterback and a bad team, it would be looked at as one of the worst in the NFL. So I'm coming from that standpoint. I think he's the best pack they have. I'm not saying he's great back Mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination.
2: I'm not going to, well, you're right. The the running back room has to prove itself. Other than, of course, Rashad Penny, who got a chance to prove nothing (laughs) yesterday. I, I mentioned before the year started, look for Rashad Penny to get some uh, breaks during see that they might sit him on a given week because of load management. Cause they want to protect him because of injury week one load management week one. He doesn't even get dressed. <laughs> How do they run four backs all spring and tell, uh, by committee or whatever. And then I get it. They've got roster issues and they had to elevate a punter and they had to elevate a punt returner and the like, but, if you're Rashad Penny, what what's your attitude coming into the locker room today for game two when you're told, yeah, you're not dressing week one?
7: I mean, Nick Sirianni talks about, you know, sitting down with his players and going over their role uh, at the beginning of the year. That's something that's really important to him. And, you know, I'm sure they've had this conversation with Rashad Penny where it's like, hey, look, there's going to be weeks where you're not up especially because this isn't a guy who's like playing on special teams for them. And typically your fourth running back, I think would kind of need to do that to be active, especially if your roster is completely healthy and it's not like you have guys inactive. And as you said, Jody, you're calling up two guys from the practice squad to put on the the game day roster as well. So, uh, you know, I I think there's going to be opportunities for him to be active in the future. And certainly if the the offense isn't um, succeeding and, they want to tweak the running back rotation, which I think they should, but I think we are we're all going into this situation knowing the truth is he's not going to be able to stay healthy and he can't just give him 20 uh, carries per game. He's not going to be that kind of guy who can handle that volume. So uh, this is where they're at with it.
3: Yeah. Um, now one player who has a big role, I want to go to the defensive side of the ball BLG and I thought played pretty well. Uh or at least solidly right up until he wasn't playing. And that's Nicobe Dean. And Mm -hmm. I brought this up a lot. TJ Edwards, man, 20 stinking games, Mm -hmm. 95% of snaps, durability week one. He's got the walking boot on his foot. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine he's playing this week (laughs) the the hope of the MRI is, uh, you know, it's not long-term. um, Should we be concerned? I mean, they're down to Zach Cunningham and Christian Ellis (laughs) in the second half of week one. You got to find a way to get Nick Morrow up on Thursday. And remember, you got to elevate Aaron Seaposs and Britton Cubby. So you got to make a move somewhere. Uh, How concerned are you at linebacker? And let's be real, the durability of N'Kobe Dean moving forward.
7: That's a big concern. We only have two off-ball linebackers on the team. Uh, and N'Kobe is your clear starter. He's the mic and look, Nicobe had that ankle injury in training camp as well. I think he missed yeah. like five practices in terms of the team drills. So, you know, this isn't just a kind of a blip on the radar. It's kind of becoming an issue here when it comes to availability. So, uh, it's pretty frustrating. I think Zach Cunningham, you know, was on the market for a reason in the middle of training camp. I think he's been okay, but not ideal that you know, he might be your top linebacker now next to Christian Ellis and Nicholas Morrow, who fell out of favor uh, over the course of training camp. Uh, I guess you you know, you know don't have to necessarily promote Covey if you want to uh, rely on someone like Olamide Zacchaeus just to field punts, um, and maybe that's how you get away with it in the short term, or we'll see if Dean has to go on IR or what happens there. But uh, certainly it was already a position of weakness with N'Kobe Dean there,
2: and now he might not be there. And no, oh, by the way, uh, Laminate needs to go back and recover, uh, cover, uh, receive punts, because otherwise he's not going to touch the ball. He's another guy who uh, Jalen couldn't find for any uh, uh, attempts yesterday, any targets. So uh, don't know what his role is after Week One. Just another guy that we need to figure out over time um, at the linebacker position. And before Nakobe got hurt, he was making plays against a run and coming up with tackles. He got beaten pass coverage a couple of times. Always a step behind linebacker, uh tight end, whoever he's covering. Oh, by the way, safety's got beat a couple times in coverage on the tight ends. That was, uh, I think, Mac Jones' favorite target, the of field uh, down in the red zone. Kendrick Bourne was his guy. But uh, is that going to be an issue all year? The two positions where the Eagles have massive turnover, linebacker and safety, coverage against tight ends guy by the name of hawkinson coming in thursday night's one of the better receiving tight ends in the nfl is this something the eagles are going to have as an issue all year long blg i thought the touchdown
7: throw where reed Blankenship you know was trailing i mean that was just a really good throw i thought yeah uh, I, I thought that reed, was
3: decent coverage but yeah i gotta look at it again i think but decent
7: then, coverage better yeah. throw just you know yeah. and a really good play uh tough one there and reed i think reed is a really good player and thought he had a good game in a lot of ways he had a crucial tackle there at one point that set up a fourth down that the Patriots ended up converting but um to put them in that spot in the open field uh but yeah I mean look Justin Evans when the Eagles signed him back uh when the free agency had began they had clearly put out a message that like hey this isn't the only move we're making at
3: safety yeah (laughs) yeah I forgot about that yeah it it turns out that yeah that well, they the also, we you know, it. I asked day 13 when he started getting first team reps. And I asked Sean to decide that day, I think. And he said, the next day. And he said, oh, it was always the plan. I'm like, come mm. on, dude. After 13 days. On day 13, Brandon, we're going to look at Justin Evans. Uh, right. Tells you. Yeah, that was silly. Um, mm-hmm. But he's their best coverage safety outside Reed. And that's what they want. So mm, tells you more about Terrell Edmonds, right, than mm. anything else. And they don't think Sidney Brown's ready. But Sidney showed up on special teams. He made a big play Yep, uh, as a punt gunner. Uh, so maybe there's some improvement there. Josh Job made a big play as well on mm. special teams. So that was a, a small positive. But long-term, yeah, I'm not comfortable with Justin Evans at safety. Are you?
7: No, <laughs> I think safety and <laughs> linebacker are just like they're, they're trouble spots. Now, I think the context here is that I think last year spoiled a lot of people because you're, you're not yeah. going to have rosters that talented without holes like that often, if ever. Like every team in the NFL has some kind of position or two uh, in some certainly a much more important positions like quarterback or offensive line where – uh, those issues are bigger. Um, but yeah, salary cap, limited resources, injuries. There's never going to be a perfect roster. These are, are trying to piece it together there. Um, I think that you have to hope that Sydney Brown can eventually, and I think that's the plan. I don't think the plan is to play Justin Evans all year no matter what. I think the hope is that at some point, Sydney Brown will continue to develop and shine. And even if it's not you know, him playing 100% of the snaps, at least coming in and rotating in a little bit more, um, as you mentioned, John, like Troy Edmonds, I think, what, you only had 12 snaps or something, so clearly not much of a factor. But maybe he will be more of a factor because he's going to need more bodies at linebacker, and the Eagles were obviously experimenting yeah. with him there. Yeah,
3: that could be big nickel time. Uh, All right,
2: BLG, I, I go to the standings, and it says the Philadelphia Eagles in first place. That's a good thing. <laughs> uh, and uh, they're in first place in their division, tied, first place in the conference, tied couple other teams that we think will be in the mix to be the best in the NFC looked a little more impressive than the Eagles did yesterday. The 49ers going in and just shutting down the Pittsburgh Steelers. We debate about how much should or shouldn't do in the preseason. And Nick even saying after the game, I might have to rethink that. Going into preseason next year, our offense was a little stale. Pittsburgh's offense looked great in the preseason. Their start is Mm -hmm. five possessions, five touchdowns except the uh, 49ers came in with their defense yesterday and all those touchdowns seemed to stop. And then last night, the Giants just getting Ooh. a beat down put on them by the Dallas Cowboys. I don't
3: want to overreact, but I want to spike the football on that Giant. I'm so desperate to spike that They stink, the Giants. Mm. The Cowboys now, on the other hand. yeah, I think Eagles fans are sleeping on how good the Cowboys are. Um, yeah. I, you think Cowboys it was more important. one
2: than the other? Cowboys better than everybody thought, or the Giants worse than everybody. Well,
3: I think the Cowboys are better than most people in Philadelphia think, for obvious reasons. I mean, they dislike the team. I, I, I think they're a good team. I think they're a legitimate contender. Now, I know all the problems with Jerry Jones better than anybody, Mike McCarthy, but they're a good team. They're a talented football team. Same thing with San Francisco. Um, really impressed, you know really with the medical staff I was like how do you get Brock Purdy ready for week one that seemed absurd to me all off season there he's out there playing well but Christian McCaffrey was tremendous um yeah they're good teams uh the Giants and the Vikings were the two teams I said you know what they're not going to be good this year and they're not going to be good this year I'm emboldened to say that after week one Brandon
7: Yeah, I mean, I think that Dallas defense being as impressive as it's been for, what, like the third straight season now, assuming it continues pace from what we saw in week one, um, because typically defense kind of fluctuates a little bit more year to year. But under Dan Quinn, you know, they've had that consistency. Having Micah Parsons certainly helps a lot. And Trayvon Diggs, and now they add Stephon Gilmore to the mix. Yeah, I'm buying that Dallas defense for sure still. I don't think Dak had the best game. He didn't need to. No, he didn't. Of good the defense he didn't. did need, yeah. So kind of keeping an eye on that, especially coming off the season he is, that's kind of like a thing to watch. But uh, certainly, again, if he gets that support. And, you know, look, uh, credit to you, Jody, big Brock Party believer. He looked really good um, against a very respectable, I think, organization in the Steelers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those teams certainly looked a lot better. But it's week one. A lot of weird yeah. things also happened in week one, and it's a really long season. And, you know, injuries, everything can change. So um, I think the Eagles are fortunate in a way. It sounds weird because, again, they won the game, but they're fortunate that they can kind of turn the page on this one and uh, go into
2: Thursday night with an opportunity to go 2-0. Right, but as you say, Thursday night. After you have that kind of an effort, if I'm next Sirianni, here's what I want to do. I want to coach them up. I need my I need these guys in my room right now, my field. We need to improve this. We need to work on that. Uh-oh, Thursday game, not much time to get ready for it. Now, it's the same for the Vikings. So uh, both teams are under the same time constraints. But that's one place I don't think they're lucky because it, it, there were teachable moments after yesterday's game. And the problem is you don't have time to teach them because you got to get ready for a Thursday night game. But the Vikings are just the right team to be coming in here because, they they didn't look yeah. good. Yeah, I think it's a
3: great spot team. because you get the mini buy to do all that, and mm-hmm. you're going to win the game. They have the worst. I'm telling you, Jalen Carter might kill Kirk Cousins. This week. <laughs> they have the worst interior offensive. And they never do anything about it. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. They roll out the same players. They can't block anybody. And then all of a sudden – i i literally after watching quarterback i have a better affinity for kirk cousins how Mm. tough he is um i feel sorry for the guy they do nothing to help him that is the worst interior offensive line in football the eagles are going to kill that team and then they have the mini buy and they can do what jody says and coach it up Or i think it's a great spot for the eagles
7: it's an especially long mini buy too, because they're going from yeah. that Thursday to Monday, yeah, Monday. Really yeah. even more time, um, which could help them. And certainly, you know, okay. The bucks won in week one, they beat the Vikings. Um, another potentially winnable game. And look, that's what the whole front end of this Eagle schedule is about. It's about banking wins as much as you can, because things are going to get a lot tougher later on, or at least so it appears, obviously, you know, some of those games look tough now, maybe they won't be as tough, you know, you have a team, like, everyone thought the Packers weren't looking maybe great. Uh, they did look good week one. The Seahawks lost to the Rams. Everyone thought the Seahawks were going to take a step yeah, forward. That the Rams was, be... uh,
3: wow. I was very surprised by the domination of the L.A. Rams over the Seahawks. Yeah, that might have been the most disappointing team. I'm trying to think, because I thought that was an easy one mm-hmm. for the how about, Seahawks.
2: How about John McMullen's choice to go to the Super Bowl from the AA Oh, that
3: that was bad, too. Yeah, Cincinnati. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, that yeah. happened. I mean, Joe. But I, didn't Johnny even...
2: Mac and, and BLG, uh, uh, give me a second here. Give let me give Johnny Mac some credit. I picked out that game is the game to highlight on my two hour show last night on CBS. I thought it was the most telling game of the early thing. And I said, doing my show with John McMullan. He came back raving about the Browns defense when they oh, played yeah. their joint practice yeah. against the Eagles, and he said they just couldn't begin to stop the Browns. And the Eagles got the best offensive line in the NFL, and they couldn't stop the Browns defense. So I knew the Brown defense was going to be good. Hold Joe Burrow to eighty some odd yards. I didn't no. know they were going to be that good week number one. Well, I
3: think that had a lot to do with the cap injury and no basically preseason. I think Joe Burrow is going to be fine. I have no question that Joe Burrow is going to be fine. Even with that terrible game, you know, we talk about Jalen Hurts not having a great game. That's like times 10 to what right. Joe Burrow. And I have no question on either of them. Like, I'm not saying, oh, Joe Burrow can't play. He's not doing it. I mean that guy's good. He's gonna figure
2: it out. I'm not questioning Burrow. I'm questioning I'm I'm pointing out how good the Brown defense is. Yeah, who, well, who,
3: Miles Garrett, I mean, BLG knows that uh, they couldn't do anything with Miles yeah. Garrett. Anything. And the Eagles, as you mentioned, have good players, and they couldn't do anything with Miles Garrett. Um,
7: and who's the coordinator for that Browns defense again?
3: Jim Schwartz. <laughs> and <laughs> you might know and it by the way, team. those defensive linemen, you know from Fletcher Cox they love Jim Schwartz Mm because Jim Schwartz is all about the defensive line. He makes those guys happy. So yeah. Yeah. Cleveland might be a team you got to pay more attention to.
2: Certainly on the defensive side of the ball. uh, I think they could be a force to be reckoned with over there in the AFC. All right, BLG. So you got a Thursday turnaround. They're not going to get that much practice in, but uh, we do like the matchup against Minnesota because of the way that they played. What do you think the attitude of the team coming in today is? Can they just, to use a Jalen Hurts phrase, flush it? You don't want to flush wins. You want to uh, enjoy wins. (laughs) You want to have fun with wins. But it was kind of a flushable game. Uh, How do you think they come in to work today off the 25-20 win over the Patriots?
7: I don't think they're under any illusion, you know, that they played great. I think that's clearly felt uh, the post-game, you know, Temperature check seemed to be that way. I think that's the messaging that they have a lot to work on. Um, and I think they, you know, it's a it's a big opportunity. Again, you're, it's your home opener. It's Thursday night. It's a team that they had a lot of success against in week two as well <laughs> last year. Um, so I think, you know, they enter this game with some level of confidence that like, okay, you know, look, this isn't last season, um, but this is, you know, still, there's still pieces here. Um, we know we can be better. And I think that, It's, you know, they don't have that practice time, like you mentioned, but they'll still um, be able to do what they can in this stretch. As Doug Peterson always talked about the benefit of the short week, maybe being not overthinking things, you know, maybe they kind of keep things simple a little bit, um, and don't overthink it. Uh, but ultimately I think it's a spot where they're being honest with themselves.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it at Brandon uh, Gowton on Twitter. Make sure you follow uh, Brandon Lee Gowton there, BLG. It's now X. I should mention that. Mm -hmm. So you can go to X.com or Twitter.com. Editor-in-chief, Bleeding Green, BGN Radio. How many podcasts are you doing with Kempsky this week, uh, BLG? Probably probably two. Well, yeah, at least two. So you get that where you get your better podcast. Always a, a fun listen there. I'll add that Jody and I, you probably heard us discussing. We discussed Derek Barnett a lot. Um, and yeah, <laughs> they had a role for Derek Barnett. And Nolan Smith didn't play much at all. Um, now he had the shoulder injury and missed mm-hmm. a lot of practice time. You think it had more to do with that? But the Eagles have been pretty consistent saying Derek's going to have a role and they gave him a role, should we be surprised?
7: I don't think it's surprising. You know, he's he's a rookie in part, and um, so was Jalen Carter, but like you were saying before I got on here, that's a rookie who could have potentially been the first overall pick, so it's a bit of a different thing. Yeah, should have been in terms of talent. Um, Yeah, I think that's a situation where Nolan Smith's role could very well increase over the course of the season um, as he gets a little bit healthier and as he – Earns his way into playing time. It's not rookies don't just get playing time a lot of the time, they have to earn their role. Um, same kind of thing I said with Sidney Brown. I think these guys have chances to see increased roles as the season goes on, but that comes with, um, you know, proving it. And just for example, uh, a little bit of a different situation because he was a UDFA last year, but that was Reed Blankenship. I mean, he began yeah. the season as like the fourth safety or so behind, um, obviously the starters. TJ, GJ, GJ, Marcus Epps, and then Kayvon Wallace was that third guy, Man. and Reed Blankenship earlier in the year was like a healthy scratch. Eventually, Kayvon didn't look so good. Reed Blankenship did play well when he had chances, and Reed eventually, you know, overtook that
2: role, so it's a it's a situation where I think things can evolve. I gotta look and see what Kayvon Wallace did, yesterday. I completely when you just said his name, I go, oh, shoot, I forgot about Kayvon.
3: <laughs> gotta see if he Kayvon. actually
2: did anything yesterday. Hey, uh, the Cardinals
3: hung in there. They hung in. <laughs>
2: Uh, that's a bad football yeah, team. Yeah. If, if that wasn't the game that the Cardinals are going to win, where are the Cardinals going to win a game? Mm. Could be a very long season for Jonathan Gannon. Um, All right, BLG, appreciate you jumping in with us today. Outstanding job as always. We love having you on the show. You know we're going to tap into you plenty over the course of this season. Happy to make you the first. Let's actually talk about something happened on the field in the game that counts. Guest for Birds 365 this year. Thanks, bud. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Beals. Brandon Lee me here with us on Birds 360. By
3: the way, I just looked it up, uh, Jody. Uh Kayvon played a lot, played 50 snaps. Wow. So 70, 70% of the team's total, and he finished with uh seven tackles and two uh PBUs. Not bad. I don't know. I don't know how he played, but right. You gotta and, break down the film, yeah. but
2: just you can check the numbers and I thought he was going to jump right in and play because they're not. Yeah, he a played a lot. Yeah. I, I didn't watch much of that game yesterday because uh, you would have to hold it and tie me down to watch that entire game <laughs> before it ever got started. But uh, the Cardinals had a chance to actually fully uh, the upset. They did not, but they had a chance. And both Jonathan Gannon, both, both Gannon and James Steichen had leads in the second half in games where they were major underdogs. Yeah, they're 0-2. Sorry, they're boys.
3: overachieving. Major underdogs. They hung in. Much, overachieving. Much like saying,
2: hey, the Eagles are one to know That's all that matters. Don't 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 really look behind. O and one.
3: Yeah, that's all that matters. I'm I... with you. Yeah, they're um,
2: both don't want one. Yeah. They're There's
3: fine. a lot of disappointed teams. You can't overreact. You know, I want to spike the football, uh, but as you pointed out, I also got Cincinnati woefully wrong. You can't overreact to uh, week one games generally because uh, a lot of crazy stuff happens. Like I think the Giants are not a playoff level team, but I also don't think they're going to lose sporting enough. And ever, I don't think they're the worst team in football. That was just a snowball type of thing, and you know they get. But when you lose that at home, oof, that's against a division rival. That's a bad loss.
2: Here's if and sorry to rub salt in the wounds to your giant fans. I don't think we have too many giant fans on our stream. We got some cowboy fans, or at least some cowboy trolls. Uh, not so much <laughs> with the giants. Daniel Jones, forty million per.
3: Yikes! Ah, that was a mistake. that, that's, that was a mistake.
2: They it, it, we we like Dable. We like the new general manager. Like some of the moves they made. Like Thibodeau. Yeah. They committed to Daniel Jones, and that that's something that you know.
3: The toughest thing in the NFL, Jody, is to be honest with yourself, you know, and it's a fine line because I criticized Minnesota's coming in Thursday, like Minnesota was more honest with themselves. Like we were 13 and four, but we really weren't 13 and four, but now it's become sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy because they had such a bad off season. And it's like, I'm looking at them like, uh, I don't like that. And then on the other hand, the Giants are paying, you know, they they weren't honest with themselves with Daniel Jones. And so it, it works both ways. It's really difficult. It's really difficult.
2: Sometimes you just get caught in between. You don't want to take the step backwards. You don't want to say, yeah, we need to restart with a new quarterback, give up assets, get to the top of the draft. No, Daniel Jones is okay. Daniel Jones is all right. We can win with Daniel Jones. He doesn't have to be great. We can we can no. do everything else right. But when you got to pay him at the same time, that's when I throw up my hand and go, all right, wait a minute. When we're talking about a guy in the cheap, when we're talking about a guy who's eating up this much of your salary cap, okay, I can go down that road with you. When you decide he's going to be a $40 million plus quarterback and he's not a $40 million-plus quarterback, now you're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself on the field. You're hurting yourself in your salary cap. Yeah, I thought that was a miscalculation by the
3: Giants. Yeah, Sorry, Sorry, big blue fans. And I like Joe Shane, and I like Brian. And I think for the first time in a long time, the Giants are heading in the right direction overall, but I think they made a mistake at quarterback. And when you make a mistake at quarterback, that's going to hamper you all over the place absolutely does
2: he's mcmullin i'm mcdonald we are the mac and mac guys here on birds 365 thank blg for hopping in kayla santiago part of the new jacob, uh jake jacob sports post game show i'm sorry johnny mac i didn't get a chance to see any of that I was on no, the man, you so you don't want uh, to see uh, no, no, you were part of it I haven't seen kayla's work yet looking forward to getting some of it right here with us on birds 365 coming up in about 20 minutes <clears throat> Streaming in for hour number two on the first Monday after of a 2023 Eagles season. Thanks for jumping in with us here on Birds 365. You got Mac and Mac, McMullen and McDonald uh, for our number two. Uh, Johnny Mac Eagles win. That's the most important thing. That's going to outweigh everything else. But uh, a lot of areas of question after week number one. And you can work through those when you get a W at the end of the day one of which was the decision that the coach made to go for it on fourth down in the fourth quarter on a day where the offense wasn't clicking and you're giving the Patriots a chance to potentially steal a game. Mac Jones is playing well enough. He's Mac Jones. He's, he's not uh, uh, Jalen hurts or uh, Patrick Mahomes, but he was having a game where he was being effective enough. The Eagles weren't getting enough pass rushing from the outside took a little bit of a risk and they didn't convert on fourth down and Mac Jones could have driven down the field. He didn't. Eagles won the game, but it was kind of a risky decision by Sirianni. We do like the fact that Sirianni is as aggressive as he is sometimes overly aggressive. And that's why I judged it in the moment, watching it on TV. I'm going, really? He's going for it here. Uh, And again, they, they didn't get it. How much of, do you think that was afraid that he was afraid of putting his special teams out there on the field. I watched the game show Jaworski was on. He said, I think he was afraid of his defense a little bit, that he didn't want to give them, uh, if he could avoid putting them back out there on the field. Now, if you don't convert, you're putting your defense in a bigger hole. You, you go like that, change, I, I don't trust the defense. Oh, no, I love you, defense. Get me this big stop. And they did. Um, I, my first thought was, he doesn't want to put Zipas back out there. He, he doesn't necessarily trust his punt team. Um, it didn't work out for the Eagles uh, in the moment, but it worked out from the long run because they ended up winning the game. What do you think was going through Sirianni's head when he decided to go for it there, fourth and two?
3: Yeah, I, I don't think it had to do with either. Um, certainly not fear of special teams. I mean, I believe they were at the New England 44 ish, maybe. Um, you know, all you got to do is, you know, pooch it down there. Uh, I know people are down on Aaron Seapaz, but he's capable of doing that. And I I think it's his mentality of, um, you know, when they're when they're fourth and two plus and plus territory, plus 50, they're going to go for it. That's their mentality. You know, we saw it throughout the NFL. We, New England with Bill Belichick, they went for it on fourth down four times. I'm like, If they would have kicked a field goal the one time, they could have won the game with a field goal. Uh, The second time, when they were down trying to win the game with a touchdown, they could have won the game if Bill Belichick played it in a more standard fashion, but they didn't, and they didn't convert on their fourth down. And with the Eagles... And coaches will never admit this, but we saw on Thursday night, what was that? Fourth and 15. And like, that's not 25. Andy. Fourth, fourth and, and 25. 25.
2: Yeah. Fourth and 25. And know and 25. He, and he had all his timeouts left and the two minute warning. And yeah. he said, I'm going to put it in my hands. The
3: these guys get so much pressure now from social media and all the nerds align. It's like, you got to go for it. You got to go for it. The numbers say you got to go for it you gotta have a feel for the game. Like typically if the Eagles are fourth and two and they're humming and they're playing well and they're playing you say, Yeah, go go for it. They were not playing well offensively. To there's yesterday. gotta be no, no, no. Yeah. There's gotta be a feel for it. And I gotta watch the game again, but I'm pretty sure Dallas Goddard was wide open on that play, but they weren't looking at Dallas Goddard. And it looked like uh Jalen Hurts locked in on Devontae Smith right away. Um yeah, you got, you got to have a better feel for your, your team on a particular day. I think that the room for that kind of thing, and it's intangible, so people don't like it because you can't put a number on anything intangible. So you got the analytics people. You got to go for it. You got to go for it. You're a moron if you don't go for it. Um, and there, the feel of the game is lost. Um, and, yeah, I thought it was a mistake, obviously. And it ended up being a mistake. And it could have cost the Eagles the game. Nobody was happier than Nick Sirianni when that foot wasn't dragged. Because if he loses that game, woo,
2: Yeah. Oh, we're, we're, we're zeroing in on that decision to go for it on fourth down that much more. You made an interesting point there. And I want to expand on it. Um, Goddard, one replay showed that he may have been open on that fourth play. He, the, uh, you said... Hurt zeroed in on Devonte Smith. I think that's dead on accurate. That it was going to be a pass to Devontae almost no matter what. That play and basically the rest of the game. I didn't think that Jalen processed his reads as well yesterday as he did all last year. Jalen Hurt threw the ball last year to the guy who was open. Uh, that that that's kind of a key to becoming a great quarterback, being able to decide like that. All right, who am I going to get the ball to? Uh, you have options. You have uh, orders and reads that you make your decisions. And Hurts was great at it last year. I mean, as good as Mahomes or anybody else in the league, and that's why he was re her up as the MVP, yesterday seemed to want to get the ball out of his hands quicker and go with a first read, and he forced a couple of passes. Do we just chalk that up to yeah, not enough work in the preseason. Is that uh, why Sirianni felt the need to say after the game? Yeah, I might have to rethink that whole preseason thing, not playing the starters any games. Do we just write this one off as, yeah, the Eagles and Jalen Hurts specifically wasn't quite ready for the first game of the season.
3: Yeah, that's what I chalk it up to. And Nick kind of alluded to it with the with the preseason talk, um, you know, have to reevaluate. Yeah, I don't think they were sharp i don't think they were ready and i'm not surprised by it um why would they be um i always talk about that cost benefit analysis there's two parts to it um you get to week one healthy versus you prepare as much as you can prepare so they've chosen one and they got to week one relatively healthy with the exception of zach mcpherson and sean bradley um but For the key players, the key core players on offense and defense, they're 100% healthy. But, yeah, they're going to be rusty. They're going to have to play into it because they don't do a lot in the summer. Um, I don't think anybody should be surprised. And I think it'll increment. I'm not worried about the offense. I'm a little bit worried about the defense. Um, But we'll see. I think the defensive line and the corners – are going to make up for a lot of things. But I'm concerned with the middle of the defense.
2: Um, yeah, I've been checking uh, y- your brethren, the Top Eagle beat guys and the like, uh, to see if there's any update. Bradbury left the game. That's why Job was in there late. And I'll go more positive than negative on that one. Was Bute open? Yes. Was it a good pass? yes could he maybe have gotten his feet down a more experienced wide receiver rather than a rookie kid and the quarterback chose to throw it to a rookie and well, did i ask the question of uh, adam kaufman here on Birch 365 when we had him on the other day about bootay i know yeah. i asked him when i yeah, had him on did. my cbs you go. did yeah. i like the kid he's a talented wide receiver talented, he dropped yeah. in the draft which i was surprised by i thought that was a good pick by the patriots but
3: you said he might have been able to get
2: his feet down it was that's just a college
3: game. I mean, that's the difference. There are certain guys that like DeBonte's tremendous. Every time DeBonte, i look, you know, you look at it with the naked eye and you say, no way he got in. And he always gets in. He's unbelievable at it. Yesterday. The, they called it complete. And I was sitting right next to Seth Joyner. And I said, no, he didn't catch that set. I mean, it, it was obvious to me. He didn't get that, that look yep. down. Um, Yeah, I mean, Devontae gets his beat down. A.J. gets his beat down on that same play. And, yeah, it could have have went bad for the Eagles. Uh, Got a little bit lucky with the young receiver there.
2: On that one, you know, I'm going to give a little bit of a nod uh, on the positive side to the Eagle player. Job comes in off the bench. I saw this stat this morning. I didn't even know that. You know, I rail all the time about the fact that Nickobe Dean got all of 34 snaps last year. Well, that has got 49,
3: Kobe... baby. Already beat it. Uh, understood.
2: Uh, I give the defensive coaches uh, grief because they should have got him on the field more. Now, not getting Josh Job on the field more is a little bit of a different story. He's behind two Pro Bowl-level cornerbacks. He never got a chance to play. Okay, I get that. Uh, special teams, that's what you got to be ready for. So the fact that he had 12 snaps, 12 snaps all last year, and he gets thrown in to the deep end last night because Bradbury gets hurt late. I thought he had pretty good coverage on the play. It was a nice round. Well, it was terrible. It was yeah. well run, and he absolutely – if he doesn't push him, maybe Boutte gets his foot down. I think part of the reason he didn't get his foot down because Job got there quick enough – to push him and make sure he was out of bounds. I'm going to give Job a thumbs up for the coverage on that play. It was pretty darn good. It took almost perfection from the New England side to complete that, and Job wasn't going to let that happen.
3: Yeah, I I, I didn't have necessarily an issue with the coverage. Um, And, you know, Josh is – he's now the top outside corner. So we mentioned the healthy aspect of that position last year with Slay and Bradbury. And it was only eight snaps. Um, but you know, Bradbury wasn't in there for eight snaps. Um, and he had to hold up and yeah, I think he did fine. Um now, you know, the issue is if he has to play, um Slay played the entire game, so eighty snaps. If he has to play eighty snaps, is he gonna hold up? That I don't know, but you know. I thought he was fine. And did limited. you see
2: any reporting on the extent of Bradbury's injury?
3: No, not Neither yet. Did I. Um, you know, Dean, we know, is getting an MRI. I think Pletch is getting an MRI, to, uh, but I think he's um, not as concerning. Fletch had two big plays late. We Wait. haven't mentioned Pl- Pletch. He, he was really big late in the game. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. I don't think there's as much concern over Bradbury from at least I haven't heard any, uh, but yeah, it's a short week. So even if it's um, minor, there's a chance he won't be out there. Then you really get to see, um, you know, what you have in Josh Job. 'Cause because this is a, a good passing team. Now they'll probably turn it over a bunch because of the sacks, but they're going to also throw the football down the field and make some plays. So it'll, it'll be a good, uh, good test.
2: Yeah. Um, the two Eagles that did uh, miss time yesterday in the game are both concerns coming into this week, because again, Eagles have roster issues with the fact that they still haven't made a decision on a punter and Covey did return. But, oh, by the
3: way, give Cuffy a nod. Yeah. They nice he had, a couple of punt returns. Yeah. he had a 15 yarder, but that, but, Cubby was really good in the second half of last season when it, it, it was like the last eight or nine games. He was sixth in the league and he had the 27 yard return in the Super Bowl, um, which obviously got overshadowed by a bigger return, but that was mm-hmm. a big return at the time. Um, yeah, he's one of those guys. I talked about the guys like DeAndre Swift. I don't necessarily understand why everybody gravitates on him and, and thinks he's the star player. On the other hand, everybody sort of says, Oh, Britton Covey, um, he wasn't bad at the end of last season. Um, Yet I think people think he was bad. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. And now we're back to the running back discussion. I I don't know that it's as
2: much DeAndre Swift. Why don't we just make him into a star like the Detroit lions couldn't? I think it's, so we're going to make Kenny Gainwell into a star. I don't know that they've got a star. No, back I, don't, I don't
3: think, well, I don't think they have a star running back. I don't, I've said that. If this were a bad football team, if this had a bad quarterback and this was their running back room, they'd be in deep shape. Um, like Marcus Mariota, for heaven's sake, have to, the running game ain't going to help them that much. Um, I don't, I, Miles Sanders, another player was better than all of these backs by a significant margin. Significant. And
2: um, there's somebody uh, week one, they cast their lot with Kenny Gainwell and he was good. He was solid. Wasn't spectacular. He wasn't game breaking. He was good enough in a game that the Eagles won. He was kind of like the Eagles good enough to win, but not good enough to impress anybody or blow anybody away. And, yeah, I was a little surprised that they went as heavy-handed with one guy as they did. I thought there'd be a little bit more sharing of uh, the load between the running backs, but I think that's one of the things we can read into game number one. There are some things that still need to be determined, like Sean Desai's play calling and Brian Johnson's play calling. I think they tipped their hand yesterday that, yeah, they prefer to have a lead back. It may be a different lead back from games to game, but it's not going to be three guys – Seven carries apiece. That's probably not the way the Eagles are going to distribute the football to their running backs this year. All right, he's McMona. McDonald, we are Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. Kayla Santiago, uh, new member to the Jacob Media broadcast team, part of the post-game show, is going to jump on with us. Uh, I've not had a chance to talk to Kayla yet, so I'm very much looking forward to the, uh, that coming up next. Kayla Santiago here with us on Birds 365. <laughs>
5: E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles.
2: Appreciate you streaming in with us here on Birds 365, a Monday after an Eagle win. A not impressive Eagle win, a not awe-inspiring Eagle win, but an Eagle win just the same. And McMullen and I have been sharing our opinions on the game for the last hour and twenty minutes. We can get a third opinion, well, actually a fourth, because we got BLG early, but we got Kayla Santiago to join us for here for our number two part of the Jacob Media Eagles post game show. Kayla, give me one word, or you can take an entire sentence if you needed <laughs> to describe yesterday's Eagles win.
3: Uh oh. We got uh we got a muting problem. Or are you muted or we don't have your microphone on? Let's see. Mm, push a button or
2: two and we'll see if we can get Kayla on there. Give it another try, Kayla.
3: Nope, we uh, still don't have it. Her. We'll try. Xander, we'll try to get her back. We'll see microphone issues. Um we'll see. Um, I uh, it,
2: and again i apologize for not being able to watch the post-game show i was on the air on cbs you should uh, apologize
3: maybe. you got me and Seth joiner on the set together by yeah. the way it was fun watching i don't like because i had some travel issues for those who don't know so i didn't make it to the game um it was fun watching the game with seth but uh yeah, I like being at the game, Joe. What,
2: what What was Seth's thoughts about the aggressiveness of the Eagles' defense? Because that's Seth's Ballywick. Oh, well. wow, he's
3: always they're not aggressive enough. Not but aggressive was, enough. He, I think he was they a little bit happy. A lot yesterday.
2: I, I was. Think, I was surprised by how much they blitzed. Yeah, the there were guy. He
3: mentioned they he, to his naked eye. We get. We got to rewatch the game, but there was a couple run blitzes, um, which you know typically they didn't do, but you know. I don't think they had to do it as much last year, uh, but yeah, I, I set does not like that. Uh, the Eagles don't put more emphasis on run supports. Um, and they don't, I mean, that's part of their philosophy, you know, light boxes, get the extra guy in coverage, the plus one in coverage. He does not like that. Um, and the devaluation of the linebacker position. I mean, you really saw it. I mean, when N'Kobe's off the field, it's just crazy. Uh, you, you see it, you know, because he's he's unproven, but you can see he's got talent. You can see there's potential there. But then all of a sudden you're down to Christian Ellis and Zach Cunningham and thinking about you only don't even have Nicholas Morrow to go to because he's on the practice squad. You didn't elevate him. I've said it. How many times have I said it, Jody? They've taken it too far. I agree. That's where Seth and I kind of dipper. Like he thinks you should value the linebacker position because he's linebackers, he's a borderline mm-hmm. Hall of Fame linebacker. He's a great linebacker. Um, but the game has changed, so I agree to a certain point with the Eagles' devaluation of the position. But they've taken it too far. I I, I really believe that, Jody. You and I both
2: do. I guess you, I, and Seth do. But the one thing about the linebacker, you can't say the light box stuff. When Seth played, it was like an exception to the rule. When a team put a third wide receiver out there, it was running back, fullback, two wide receivers, tight end. That's what football looked like when Seth Joyner played. Yeah. yeah. Now nowadays, how many play? Uh, if you can look it up, if you know where to look it up. How many plays did the Patriots run yesterday, where they didn't have three wide receivers on the field? How many plays did the well, Eagles run where they didn't yeah. have three wide? It's just a given. The National Football League has become a three wide receiver on almost every play. League. Except well, yeah, when I mean, if you, at, uh, if you look at
3: if you look at the Eagles for example, they had sixty six offensive snaps. DeBonte was on the field for sixty five, uh, AJ for sixty and Quez Watkins for 52. So, you know, they're an 11 personnel most of the time. Uh, The the, the Patriots, you know, they had Bourne on the field for 73 of 80, uh, Bouté for 55 of 80, and, and Juju for 43 of 80. So those were their top three receivers. And remember, they're a team that likes to run the football, but they threw it. 54 times 50 plus Um, because they had to, they got behind and that's the way the NFL works. Um, and they probably don't have the talent at wide receiver to do that. And they have their tight ends are better than their wide receiver Hunter Henry. Predictably the Eagles had a lot of trouble with him. Uh, Mike is they were able to handle him pretty well, but, um, yeah, they had a big, big issue with Henry. Um, and as you mentioned, Hawkinson coming in, who's even better than Henry, at least from a, a pass-catching perspective. Um, yeah, tight ends could be a problem this year for the Eagles.
2: Right. and it were, They were in, in game number one. Um, that does scare me a little bit. And Chris, would you say Christian Ellis if he's going to be playing a lot this week? I'm hoping that the Kobe Dean is fine and it was only a minor thing and they got the MRI just to be overly precautious. Um that that wasn't great by Cunningham yesterday Christian Ellis would you call coverage a strong suit of Christian Ellis's not in compared to the other pro bowl level linebackers in the league but yeah. just within his own game would you say coverage is one of his strong suits or one of his weaknesses
3: I would say he's the best coverage linebacker the Eagles have um, is that does that mean it's a strength no right. Um, he's not, um, uh, you know, he's not lebronte David. He's not Derek Brooks in his prime. <laughs> um, yeah, but I think he's the best the Eagles have in, in coverage. Um, he, he looked good in the spring and, and at least the beginning of summer in coverage. Um, let's see, are we going to try to get Kayla back here? Xander, let's give it a shot. Uh, Should be
8: good now, guys. Yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, we can hear. Sorry about that. There ah, we no go. Problems.
3: It's streaming. We always have these issues every now and again. Good to see you, Kayla. Um, yeah, your debut on the Jacob Sports Post Game Show. Jody was going to ask you your first thought on the game, but before we get to that, your first thoughts on on sharing the stage with Seth Joyner and D Gun.
8: It was awesome. I mean, they're super talented. It's great to work. Yeah. I mean, they were all great. Everybody involved there, you know, just learning so much from them. I originally am from South Jersey, Philadelphia area. So I actually did watch them when I was younger as well. So it's kind of surreal and kind of full circle to be working one-on-one with them right now. And I'm really excited for the rest of the year.
2: Kayla, I did ask you the question earlier. We couldn't hear your response. So now that we got your mic up and running, we're going to get that. There we go. (laughs) Word phrase sentence We've got to take a paragraph take a paragraph um eagles win don't wow anybody not impressive but a w is a w to a a w how do you describe it in short term how do you put a caption on the eagles 25 20 victory over the patriots
8: i would say preseason matters and then disappointed but not worried
3: Ooh, i like i like that very I good like um Pre-season. Now, how much does preseason matter? Um, well,
8: it- I think you saw it last night, the fact that I don't think they need to play all three preseason games, and I get injuries of worry, but I think all around the NFL yesterday, you saw that week one was almost that fourth preseason game. They were just They're Nobody was really on key on both sides of the ball, especially for Philadelphia last night, and I think it's hard with the new offensive coordinator as well to really be able to coordinate this offense, you could say, against Bill Belichick when he hasn't had a game with all of them together on even one snap. So I think even if the starters can just play one quarter in the preseason, that might even help to get the game speed because it's different than practice.
2: All right. I'm going to uh, age and date myself here. Uh, and Kayla, I can tell, is significantly younger than either me or well, <laughs> Certainly like younger the, than what, me. What but, gave it away? Uh, not, <laughs> not too hard to figure out. Um, I did have cereal this morning. And although I didn't need to go out for milk, I had plenty in the fridge, uh, had I needed to and gone to the store, I had a fear that maybe I would see Dallas Goddard's picture on the back of my <laughs> milk carton. See, now John gets this. Uh, Kayla might not, but that's what they used to do, put missing kids on the back of <laughs> milk
3: cartons. Which Dallas is disturbing, not... by the way. I don't even, I never understood that. I never understood that. We're digressing, Kayla. Uh, I, yeah. Go I, ahead, Jody. Sorry
2: to get us off track, but I had to go milk uh, because Dallas Goddard <laughs> was missing in action yesterday. You want me to go MIA? Going to the weeds of battle? Uh, not, just a complete no-show yesterday on the scoreboard, on the field. Dallas' fault. Jalen's fault. The offensive coordinator's fault. How do you have one of the best tight ends in the NFL not throwing the football for three quarters plus, one target in the fourth quarter? What happened to Dallas Goddard as part of the Eagles' offense yesterday, Kayla?
8: And that one target, it really shouldn't even have been thrown to Dallas Goddard. It should have been thrown to Devontae Smith in that situation. I don't want to put all the blame on Jalen Hurts, but there was multiple instances in that game where Dallas Goddard was wide open and he either went to A.J. Brown in double coverage or tried to go to Devontae Smith. I think yesterday, especially with how the game started with the weather, even though some of those small slants would have worked, especially the rain was coming down, try to get that work and get your offense pushing up the field. I'm not too much in panic mode right now, because if you guys remember last year, kind of the same thing happened with Devontae Smith. And then that connection started to heat up. It's crazy to me though, that he only had one target and didn't even have a catch in that game. I mean, you need to get this guy involved and if you don't, they're in a lot of trouble, but once again, it's week one. I just think that Jalen wasn't on his P's and Q's you could say, and hopefully against the Vikings with just four short days, he'll be able to really get Dallas Goddard involved because if not, It's a waste of talent right there. You can't go two weeks without throwing to one of the best tight ends of the National Football League.
3: Yeah, yeah, and it was weird, as you mentioned, Kayla. Devontae Smith didn't get a catch in Detroit uh, Mm -hmm. in week one last season. We all talked about it all week. Didn't get a catch. What's going on? What's going on? And week two was against Minnesota. And they got him. I think, the first two plays. They went to Devontae Smith. Bang, bang. I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing happens with Dallas Goddard this week. But Brian Johnson, I'm surprised. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But throughout the offseason, people are like, eh, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Brian Johnson, so much talent. Who cares about Shane Steichen? We've turned the page. Wasn't fine, at least for week one. Um, Is that more of that lack of preseason, the rustiness, or is it more – maybe they have an issue and maybe it's a bigger deal uh, being a play caller and there's sort of an art to it. Where, where do you land on that curve?
8: Well, I think it's crazy talk that anybody thinks that he's just going to pick up where Shane Steichen left off because I think Steichen was a very good play caller, but Once again, I'm not really in panic or worry mode just yet. You have to think about it. It's his first game with all the starters, and he's going up against Bill Belichick. So being in that situation right there, you already see that that's one of the things that I was worried about going into that game, that it was going to be a really tough test for Brian Johnson, and we saw that yesterday. Now, I think you at least give him until week four to see what he can do, and then you maybe understand if Dallas Goddard doesn't get involved, if they're going to Kenny Gainwell in the first six, seven plays and that's all they're going to, maybe it really is an issue and they need to look things over from that standpoint. But I think it was week one. I think it was tough. The weather wise, not having any preseason games. I do think he's talented, but at the same time, you got to run something out there and you got to have your weapons open. You got to get to those guys and find Jalen a way to get to the ball. I think Nick Sirianni too, didn't have the best game either. You talk about going for it on fourth down, turning the ball over on downs, my mind. And you knew that was a Nick Sirianni call because he's aggressive like that. But in that situation, I didn't really understand it as well. So I think, Just all together, it's week one. I think all around the NFL, you kind of saw a lot of slow starts in that way. I give him until week four, and then I say, okay, maybe we should start worrying. All
2: right. I'm going to ask you a completely unfair question, but that's what we do here on Birds 365. (laughs) And the schedule kind of dictates it. We're going to start to look ahead. Because before you know it, Thursday's here, and i got to play the Vikings again. right. What kind of role do you think Rashad Penny has in Week Two? He had a relaxed role week Week One, as in not dressed, as in got to stand in the sidelines in the press box in civilian clothes. Um, is this going to be an ongoing thing? Does he get dressed and fill the Boston Scott role, which means handful carries at best, and uh, probably not because Boston is still the kick returner, the, the DeAndre Swift role. Are they going to flop and go, we'll run Rashad Penny the same way we did Kenny Gainwell and just use one of our backs as our main guy like they did last week? What's the Kayla Crystal Ball say for Rashad Penny week two?
8: It's weird and it's hard to predict because Swift, he got, what, about two touches in that game? And that's absolutely crazy. Nick Sirianni said in the post-game press conference, too, you can't end a game like that. So when you're talking about adding Rashad Penny into the mix and Swift only having two touches, that worries me just a little bit. I do think if he's healthy, like they are saying, that they should dress him because I don't necessarily think Kenny Gainwell should be getting that many touches to start out the game. I do think that they're going to like him as their number one back. And I do understand that. But you have these guys in your running back room. I would like to see a little bit more of a rotation because I do think Kenny Gainwell is good. But in certain instances, he's not the guy. He's not the brutal back that's going to push and push and push. I think those other guys are. So I would like to see him get dressed on Thursday. And if he is, I think you got to put him in in that situation. you got to figure something out. you got to have a little bit of a rotation because after the beginning drive, it was very stagnant in the run game.
3: And maybe they'll have more of an option uh, to dress him with some of the injuries, depending on how healthy guys come into this short week, but we'll see if Rashad Penny has a role, but I think it's pretty clear Kenny Gainwell is going to be their lead back until he loses the job, so to speak. So it's his to lose at this point, defensively. Kayla, I think, you know, they made some splash plays starting with the Darius Slay, obviously the pick six and, and you have the big Jordan Davis, uh, turnover with the force fumble. Um, eh, but there were some issues as well, particularly with the coverage in the middle of the field. They gave up a ton of yards on paper, um, Jalen Carter, on the other hand, if he wants some positive, was off the charts. Where are you with the defense of this team after week one?
8: I'm a little worried, if I'm going to be honest with you. And Kobe Dean, there's no really word on him, but he did end yesterday in a boot in his right foot. So that makes me very worried because they're already thin right there as well. Fletcher Cox was also a little bit banged up. I'm not as worried about the Vikings, though, because I think Darius Slay had a really good game against them last year, and I think it will be the same thing. But I do worry about the safeties. I think right now that's something that they're falling back on and their linebackers. I think the front, everything that we expected, and I think they're going to get even better. I really like Jordan Davis, and I said that last night. He's a guy that came in last year on that rotation, and he's going to make a big difference this year. And Jalen Carter, that dude is the real deal. He was drafted to be, and he's going to be. He is absolutely dangerous. And I don't think the Vikings interior is going to be able to stop him on Thursday night. So I think, honestly, defensively, the Eagles might have a better game. And I say that because – I don't even know if Kirk Cousins is gonna be able to get the ball out half the time like Mac Jones did. I think Jalen Carter is gonna have a much more successful job at getting to him and maybe picking up more than one sack in this game. Over he's the susceptible
3: season, though, for the bumble. Right. He fumbled twice yesterday against Tampa Bay. Same thing.
8: Yeah, uh, and the so Bucks aren't hit, even as bumbles. good as a line. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think I am worried about the linebacking core though, and I think that's something that was a huge worry going into the season. I don't think people realize how big of a loss TJ Edwards was from last year. So I don't know how he's thinking up there, but I think something's got to be done, especially if N'Kobe Dean's not able to dress or play on Thursday and if he's out for a few weeks.
2: Between Davis and Carter and Fletcher Cox, Eagles got some serious penetration and some very good play, and uh, the Patriots couldn't run the ball up the middle at all. Uh, they were very good against the run, against the the, the Pats, trying to go between the tackles. But they didn't get much off the edge. You would think with the guys getting the pressure, specifically Carter as much, uh, much as he did, that somebody would be able to make a play coming off the edge. Didn't get that yesterday. Hassan Reddick, one tackle, one pressure, that's it. Hand probably still bothering him. Uh, what do you think the Eagles' uh, issue was? Because last year they were phenomenal coming off right. the edge in 70 sacks. What do you think the issue was yesterday?
8: I think you just touched on it right there, too. I think Hassan Reddick was a name we were calling time after time after time again last season. But I expect him to heat up as he gets healthier and as the season goes on as well. Once again, I think it's week one and that's the thing that's been so tough to really be able to rate how this defense and offense may be just because the lack of preseason play and really just playing in practice and trying to get all of that figured out. So I'm not too worried about it right now. I think Reddick is that guy that's going to lead that. And as soon as he gets healthy, I think they'll be completely fine. I think on the edge, they'll be a little bit set as well, especially with Reddick as he decides to get a little bit healthier.
3: Uh, coming into the season, Kayla, one of our big concerns, Jody and I, was special teams, probably more me. I was looking, wow, they they were bad on special teams last year and they lost everybody. Well, week one, they were pretty darn good. I mean, Jake Elliott was the player of the game in my estimation. Now, he's always been good, the good part of the special teams, but... I was really concerned with Marcus Jones, who's an all-pro punt returner, maybe the best punt returner in football. He got a 21-yarder, but he had two other returns for zero yards. Um, Sidney Brown with a big hit, Josh Joe big coverage. I was impressed by the special teams. They might be better. They might have finally found some players uh, for special teams Third phase, nobody talks about it. I think it helped the Eagles escape Boxborough.
8: I think special teams can win or lose you games, and we saw that yesterday. And I do want to touch on Jake Elliott real quick because I know – that people know what he is in Philadelphia, but I think that he doesn't get enough respect in the entire NFL. I know everybody's high on Justin Tucker and he's probably the best kicker in the league. but you got to give respect to Jake Elliott's name. He single-handedly might have won that Eagles game last night. If it wasn't for him, if he doesn't make those, they're in some really big trouble. I mean, if he can consistently do this, not that the Eagles want to rely on a field goal every time they drive all the way up the field and only end up with three points, But Jake Elliott is a guy who consistently for Philadelphia has been there when he's been needed and getting those huge field goals. I was impressed with the special teams yesterday. And I think that's something that hopefully they can just expand on as the season goes on, because you can tell when a team has a bad special teams and it really affects them at the end of the game. And it's a win or lose situation sometimes.
2: I give uh, I give less credit to the special teams than John does. That was a nice fake punt that Aaron Sippas pulled in the middle of the game. Uh, let me kick a little bit. Uh, no, let me not. Let me run up five yards. Did he even play college football? Did Aaron Sippas play college football? No, because they're allowed to all do straight. that in college. You can wait and wait and wait, let your whole defense get <laughs> downfield and cover a punt. You can't do that in the NFL. That's against Mm-mm. the rules.
3: Um, no, he's, uh, he's, he's a rugby guy. Yes. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. So You got to know the rules there, Aaron. You got to kick the football when they snap at you. You kind of got to kick it. You, you can't yeah. run up. It's and, your
8: job.
3: <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. Um, it's a great holder. It's where he does have got to give Jay credit. He does have confidence in him and that. We can agree. I right, Vikings come to town on Thursday. Short turnaround. A couple of things we've already touched on as to what the Eagles have to be ready to uh, accomplish uh, stopping the run not gonna be one of them as far as i'm right. concerned uh john gave grief to Quincy uh earlier that the vikings decided to say all right we can just take a step backwards after winning 13 games um if stopping the run is not something that they have to give extra consideration to and the like what kind of defense do you think sean is gonna uh, push up for uh, Thursday against the Vikings. I thought he was actually pretty aggressive with blitzes yesterday. Do you think we see even more so Thursday night? Because yeah, I, if Matson guts, uh, guts them, I'll be shocked. Do you think that the Eagle fans will appreciate week number two of the ongoing uh, evaluation of Sean Desai as an aggressive defensive coordinator?
8: Blitzing I think is a little bit of even kill in this game just because the weapons especially in Jefferson and Hogginson, that they have on their team but that being said I do think that Kirk Cousins is not like a Jalen Hurts at least at this point in his career and we all know how he plays in prime time as well so I think that the blitzing could be a really good tool here for this side to use in this game that being said I feel like Jalen Carter is going to be able to get in there once again and I think Kirk Cousins is going to have a lot of issues put the pressure on him make him release the ball very quickly because if you're able to do that I don't think good things are going to happen for the Vikings offense
3: yeah I think this is a coming out game for Jalen Carter I think people around a standalone game everybody's going to be watching uh I think people are going to figure out how good Jalen Carter is against perhaps the worst interior offensive line in football at uh, Kayla underscore Santiago one. Make sure you follow Kayla on Twitter or X, whatever you prefer <laughs> uh, sports director at uh, Del Delmarva sports. She does that. She works for the Delaware blue coats sideline reporter bill in play by play as well. Uh, I love, by the way, Delaware. Uh, I love. I told Kayla last night, Jody. I love when they called Delaware the '87ers. I don't want to dumb it down for the people. I feel like they dumbed it down. I thought that was a great nickname for Delaware, um, the Sixers, uh, obviously G League team, and most importantly, Kayla is the post game one of the post game hosts on Jacob Sports Eagles Post Game Show. Uh, With uh, Mike Messinelli, Derek Gunn, Seth Joyner, Mark Barzetta, cast of thousands. Uh, So watch her there each and after every Eagles game as well. And after all that long-winded for all the stuff you're doing, my last one is does the Wicomico Civic Center still exist? it uh, does yeah we yeah. actually
8: uh we have some pro mma fights there which are always yeah. awesome and they have a big basketball governor's yeah. challenge tournament as well during the holiday season in december so yeah it's still there it's alive and well and it always is hosting events
3: yeah i i, I used to be able to name every arena in the country until they renamed oh, wow. them all it was uh, yeah and why youth and civic center i think was the official title does it have a sponsored name
8: That's still in as far as I know. That's what we usually call it when we go there. So, but it's a really good facility. It can hold a lot of people and have a lot of good events.
2: Right. It all comes down to sponsorship. That's true. Somebody's going to write a check. We'll rename the building. Absolutely. Kayla, last one for me. And this is probably, again, another unfair question, but I got faith in you because I'm not a a beginner. Ask McMullen. Uh, I, although you and I don't know each other, I trust your uh, fashion sense. Who was the best guest? Best? Well, I wasn't me.
3: Everybody was stressed. Was I wasn't. I had my Jacob Sports. Uh, so it certainly cool. was.
8: I think uh, Seth Joyner had Seth, a really Seth good win. It, on. On. it should yeah. be he, Seth. He had the good, I think it was like a blue and white jacket. Everybody looked really nice, but he was matching and it looked really nice. I do Seth, have to say. <laughs> Seth's got
3: that NFL money. It should be Seth. That's Come
2: on. That's, That's not it. fair. That's there there are some guys who have NFL money who can't trash Johnny. That's, true. You know that. That That's true. true. That
8: is true. You see all the walk-ups all the time from some NFL players. Yeah. So
3: That's true. That's true.
2: Caleb, great stuff. We appreciate you jumping in with us. We're going to uh, draft you for day after usage from time to time during the year. Thanks for jumping in today, and we'll talk to you again down the road.
8: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
2: Caleb Thanks, Santiago Caleb. here with us on Birds 365. Yeah, it was pretty much a laugh. I didn't, like I said, I apologize. Couldn't watch the post-game show. When the yeah. Eagles play at 1, I can get a little of the post-game show before I got to be on the air on CBS Sports Radio. Yeah, if they play a 4 o'clock game, I'm out. I don't get a chance to catch any of the post What about
3: an uh, uh, 8 o'clock, 8.20 game on Thursday nights? Because we'll be on that bad boy at, what, uh, 8, 9, 10, 11, 11.30-ish. You won't see me till. At least twelve thirty. I got catch a, a little of that?
2: If yeah, if they got prime time, I can catch some of before I got to get to bed and then get up and right. uh, see your Ugly Mug here with me on YouTube the next morning. So uh, it, it's it's a tough task, but as uh, Mike
3: Massanelli says, we're on for four hours. It, 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 uh, so four hours?
2: It just does it seem like four hours? It, it depends. There's a difference there. All right, McDonald McDonald coming back. We'll put a bow on the show. Eagles win, Eagles win, Eagles win. It wasn't an impressive win, but it's a win, it's a win, it's a win. McMullen and McDonald right back here on Birds 365. Matt guys here on birds 365. A couple minutes left before uh, we exit stage left, but we exit stage left the winner. The Eagles won yesterday. Didn't wow anybody, didn't impress anybody. Uh, kind of a wipe your brow moment getting out of New England, but they did just that with a W, John. So, where does it, that leave them prepping for Thursday night? We know that it's a short week. Players don't like Thursday night, they like the extra money that Kelsey have likes
3: it. Kelsey likes it. He's the one. Uh, who likes Thursday night games? Because he doesn't want to practice at all. So. Right,
2: he just, Kelsey is one of the few guys who doesn't yeah. need to practice and shows up and plays to the highest level of his game. So, yeah, most people, most players don't like it if you're given certain deference. I can understand why you would like it. Um, how will Eagles handle this week? And remember, it's the same for the other team. Here's the one thing that when the players complain and/or people make excuses for the players after the fact, oh, short week. It's a short week for both teams. You get that right guys. Yeah. It's a short week yeah. for the Eagles. It's a short week for the Vikings too. The only difference is Vikings actually have to get on a plane and fly here, which makes it easier for the Eagles to handle. What will they do getting ready? for? And that's the home
3: opener. Uh, in short, nothing walkthroughs. Um, that's it. I mean, and that's same thing for the Vikings walkthroughs. Nobody practices on these Thursday games. Um, uh, um, in a in a traditional NFL way. It's almost like a basketball game, you all know, right, so you let know me, practice.
2: Let me jettison ahead. Sorry for interrupting you. Um I think you earlier called it a mini buy, because they played Thursday night, then you got a couple extra days off. Is it written in the CBA that they must be given downtime? Because we all agree, including the coach who came out and said you know, I might have to rethink that whole starters play in preseason thing, couple more series, couple more snaps. They could use a couple more practices while they're at it too. Do they take advantage of the fact that they get a short week this week, but then a lengthier week the week after? Or is it just seeing a couple of days, everybody?
3: Now, the actual bye week, there is a CBA sort of um um you have to Give them the weekend. Not not in the mini bye week when you have the Thursday game. But, you know, if they're two and oh, and I expect them to be two and oh. Yeah. Nick's not going to play Taskmaster, Masker. Um, and, you know, I don't think. Um, as Nick said yesterday, when it comes to preparation, you know, that that ship has sailed. Uh, on this season that's for the off season to rethink your process to get ready for the season. Um, The last thing, especially now you've already got the Kobe banged up. Pledge is a little banged up. Bradbury's a little banged up and, and who knows who, who, who else came out with a little bumps and bruises. Yeah, that's, it's not going to change this year. It might change in the off season, but that's off season.
2: All right. uh, A plus to F. The range of grade as good as it can get, worse as could be. Um, overall, not offense, not defense. The entire team yesterday's grade for the Eagles for you would be what? C. I
3: I gave grade the uh, I gave the defense uh, I think a B minus, and the D- and the offense a C minus. Maybe I should have gave the special teams. The special teams I probably give a B, but overall I give. I get A me. C game.
2: They yeah. played a C level game. I, yeah. I can I can agree with that. If they play another C game this week and walk out with a, let me come up with a score. How about twenty five twenty victory over the uh, Minnesota Vikings? You think the coach goes? I right, take three days off.
3: Um. Yeah. They're two and zero. Yeah. Oh.
2: They um. two and zero. Oh two and 2 and 0 oh. But if they win with that same C level game. Same score at home, not on the road. Same score. Um, you think the coach will go. All I'm right, trying guys, to think about today.
3: uh I don't remember what the schedule was last year. I'm sure he's gonna give them, yeah. Uh, they might come back Monday. Um yeah, I mean, if they're two and oh, I mean he's not gonna as I said, he's not gonna be a stern. Um and again, as he, who knows he's gonna come out of that game banged up. Um. now that you're in season yeah it's not going to change I mean yeah. they believe what they believe
2: I've never been a football coach I don't consider myself a football coach I coach basketball for a lot of years so I know about coaching I just don't know anything about coaching a football team Uh, here's what I would do if I were Nick Sirianni they win the game 25 20 not impressive kind of get a break to go their way, like the Patriot game, Vute not being able to get that second foot down. It, it's its a carbon copy of this game. Here's what I do when the game is over. I go in and I ask my players, guys, how much do you think we should practice this week? How are you guys feeling about it? Don't me? ask Kelsey. <laughs> yeah, Kelsey, yeah, make sure he's uh, is somewhere indisposed. But if you put it to the players, how do you think the players feel about the, the way – and no. They just moved I mean, won. That's all we need to
3: know. Yeah, that's all we need to know. They're not going to say, oh, well, let's prime. Jalen might, <laughs> but that's about ding, it. Ding, ding, Get him on your side. Maybe you can get an extra practice out of these guys. That's, that's about it. But they might do an extra walkthrough or something like that, but uh, they're not going to get, yeah. I'm, and they're going to win the game, so they're going to be in a good position, 2-0. Here's what I'm concerned about, which I just realized, believe it or not, yesterday when I was writing my notebook late after the post-game show. I I realized for the first time the Eagles beat Detroit 38-35 in week one last season, and they lost the Super Bowl 38-35. So this means they're going to lose the Super Bowl 25-20.
2: That's
3: my concern, Jody. To the J-E-T-S.
2: Possibly. Jets, Jets, which we'll be watching tonight. I'll have a question or two about that for you tomorrow. Much more Eagles conversation. Uh, brother, we're back tomorrow in uh, not less than one day. You are going to be here? I uh, plan on it. McBowen and McDonald coming back here on Birds 365 on a Tuesday before a Thursday game. Don't forget Thursday game, folks. So we'll be getting you prepped already. We'll continue to analyze that last night's game, but also start to look ahead to the Vikings. Tomorrow here on Birds 365 in two and two.
1: You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate.
6: Oh! <laughs>